I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. And in your pew Bibles, it's, I think, on page 1029. 1029. Okay, Luke 1, 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, Oh, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's pray. Let's just be quiet before the Lord for a moment. Father, teach us, please, about praise. Help us not to be people who just do life on a wing and a prayer. And sometimes, if we're honest, we just wing it. We do the wing and we don't do the prayer. And we're the Christians, Father. So forgive us when we don't pray and praise sufficiently. But Lord, may this uh, sermon, this message, may the last thing this be is a guilt trip for anyone. Lord, may it be an encouragement and an inspiration as we look at the life of Mary and look at this beautiful prayer of hers, this prayer of praise, to be a people of praise. Help us, Father, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. So we start this series on a wing and a prayer, or more than just a wing and a prayer, and you know the truth. For a lot of the people you know that don't know and love God, even though He loves them and He knows them, we tend to do life on a on a wing and a prayer. And sometimes we don't even pray enough. So actually, we need to learn about what it is to live a life that's more than just a wing and a prayer. A life that's full of praise. And Mary gives us such a wonderful example in this wonderful, magnificent prayer of praise. It's a song. And those of you who've had any connection with the Church of England, with our brothers and sisters in the Anglican Church, will tell me that there's a part of their formal liturgy that's been in their formal liturgical prayer books and orders of service books going back centuries, which uses this magnificent piece of Scripture, Mary's Prayer, as an item of praise. And it's called the... 
the Magnificat. Because she magnifies, she glorifies the Lord. We see a young handmaiden here absolutely praising God. And it's a wonderful way to kick off Advent. For those of you who are interested in this kind of thing, Advent comes from ad vene, two Latin words, to be at or near and vene, the coming. To be at or near the coming of Jesus. And as we light these successive candles, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas morning. And let me warn you, I am not bar humbug. I love Christmas. Commercialized, over-commercialized it may be, but you'd have to go a long way to spoil it for me. I just love Christmas. The thought of Jesus coming into the world, the light of the world, is magnificent. But I love all the fact that people, even though they don't even understand that, they just want to be that bit nicer and more loving, don't they, at Christmas? That bit more generous. So I love the Christmas season, and I cannot wait to see this. tell you a funny story. Rob, Rob Diamond said, Clive, you produce, you're working on a thing with, with Andy and Sheila Manuel for the Cows by Candlelight, and you, you've got on the draft order, you've got in the first song, Light the Candles. Do you know we have about 400 candles in this church? I said, no, I didn't know that, but maybe we could just light a few at the beginning. And probably with that lovely scripture that Steve read in that great children's talk today. You see, the light has come into the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The light of the world, who has turned to his disciples and say, you are the light of the world. You go and shine in a dark place. Jesus knows that when you go into places of darkness, you shine a light. So Advent is the at at or near the coming of Jesus. And, And I almost hear the fluttering of angels' wings. I almost hear the fluttering of angels' wings. And in this magnificent story, Mary has a visitation from an angel, Gabriel. Angelos in the Greek simply means messenger. But this messenger has come from heaven itself, where he's been bathed in the light of a a holy God, who's an inapproachable light in his holiness. And he comes to Mary, and she is terrified. But when she hears what he's got to say eventually, when she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, she comes forth with this song of praise. It's magnificent. So in a moment, we're going to look at the background. But first of all, let's ask the question at the beginning of a season of prayer for Mutley Baptist Church, when we've got to pray for Nepal, of course, we've got to pray for our great city, we've got to pray for our nation. Boy, do we need to pray for Europe at the moment. And we need to pray for the nations of the world. What is the role of praise? Well, the first thing to say, according to the title of a very old book that some of you have read, there's power in praise. Did you know that? Anyone read that book long time ago? No one? Okay, one or two in the balcony. Thank you. Power in praise. When despite the darkness in our own life and experience, our own circumstances, we decide we're going to praise God, there's power to change our perspectives even if the circumstances don't change. But sometimes they do change because God receives our acknowledgement of his love and power in praise and he acts into that situation. There's power in praise. So Mutley, in this season of prayer that will last right up to the end of the year and into the new year, I'm urging us to be a people of prayer. We're coming into a season of Advent and a season of prayer where we pray that the light of God will shine brightly in all those places that we've mentioned. What is praise? That card from Nepal was an expression of praise and gratitude to God for that team. 
but it was also praise of them because praise is a common word. You praise someone when they do something well. But in terms of God, it's to express appreciation, to commend, to applaud, to eulogize, to glorify and adore. We don't do that with people or we shouldn't. To glorify and adore. It's to revere sometimes with extended hands or even to kneel. And praise in a sense is a type of worship. It's a a part of worship. Often worship expressed in song as we've done so beautifully this morning. And there's some people who live their whole life and they don't get that. They don't get that there's a whole dimension of human existence praising and worshipping and knowing God and prayer and communication with their Creator. I mean, this moved me deeply. Have any of you read anything about the end of Steve Jobs' life? Not many of you. Well, I'm going to share some final words from Steve Jobs, but anyone own an Apple phone or an Apple laptop or an Apple computer? Lots of us. And that kind of brilliant technology, some would say, changed the world, is innovation. A brilliant man. But listen to what he said on his deathbed dying not that long ago of cancer, the founder of Apple, his last words. He said, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success. However, aside from work, I've got little joy, little joy in the end. Wealth is only a fact of life that I'm accustomed to. At this moment, lying on my sickbed and, recli- and recalling my whole life, I realize that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. In the darkness, I look at the green lights from the life-supporting machines, and I hear the humming, mechanical sounds. I can feel the breath of God, the breath of death drawing closer. Now I know that when we've accumulated sufficient wealth to last our lifetime, we should pursue other matters that are unrelated to to wealth. There should be something that's more important, perhaps relationships, perhaps art, perhaps a dream from younger days. Non-stop pursuing of wealth will only turn a person into a twisted being just like me. It's sad, isn't it? God gave us, he says, The senses to let us feel the love in everyone's heart, not the illusions brought about by wealth. The wealth I've won in my life I cannot bring with me. What I can bring is only the memories precipitated by love. Aren't you glad? I'm going to leave it there on that positive note. That he mentions God and he mentions love. But he had everything and he comes to the end of his life and then he's thinking. Let me tell you about this particular person standing here. Let me tell you about a time when as an atheist I heard some news I never wanted to hear and none of you would ever want to hear. That my wife, nine months pregnant with a little girl who we gave a name to, Leone, uh, the baby had died inside Marilyn. So just days before Leone, as we came to call her, was due to come into the world, this particular atheist is told by uh, doctors that uh, the baby's dead and Marilyn's going to be induced. She had to carry that baby for more than a day. Well more than a day. And when eventually they induced her in the hospital in Scarborough in Yorkshire, I went home to be with my mother who was looking after our first child, Jodie, and I knew that I was struggling because I knew I didn't have the courage to help my wife. I was at the birth of all our children, including Leonie, but at that moment going home to wait for the call, I didn't think I had the courage. I didn't have the courage to be there for Marilyn. So I found myself on a black, a black evening black evening 
cloud cover everywhere, lashing it down with rain, going to the churchyard where we were married. It was nominal, it was Christian, but it was nominal. We did it because that's what mums wanted us to do. That's where we'd had Jodie christened because that's what Nana wanted. And I went back there because I guess this atheist in that moment, while I was still an atheist, just needed something beyond himself. And I guess a bit like Steve Jobs, I reached out and I was soaked to the skin. I only had a shirt on. It was a cold night and I stood at the... The church was locked. It was pretty late in the evening and I was soaked to the skin. I'd love to tell you I prayed. I didn't get Jesus. I was an atheist. I didn't understand Jesus. I didn't really understand God, but I knew I needed some help. And I stood at the foot of that big tower of this 800-year-old building, and the skies parted, and there was one bright star. Now, you might call that a coincidence, because in three weeks, so was I. It was another three years before I came to Jesus. But in that moment, I knew that God had spoken. And like an idiot, I said, oh, I'll be a better person now. So I didn't get salvation. I didn't get that Jesus gives you the power to change. He forgives you your sins. I thought you just had to grit your teeth and work your way through it, you know? Didn't realize it was good news. So I went to the nearest call box, still soaked, didn't even go home, and I got through to the hospital, got through to the ward, got through to the sister, and said, Sister, tell Marilyn, my wife, that we're going to get through this. And then guess what? I helped her, I held her hand, I heard her screams, didn't have the courage to look at the baby. We buried her, we gave her a name, we buried her. And I pushed all the pain some of which is coming out again now. I pushed all the pain down for years, which didn't help Marilyn, of course. But I was a bloke. You don't talk about emotions if you're a bloke. You go and get kicked around a rugby field. That's how you work it out. But Jesus has been healing me, and it seems he still is. And I'll tell you this, I can praise him because that was part of my journey to God And I know I will see Leonie. I don't know whether she'll be grown or young. I'll see Leonie in heaven. Amen? Mary is full of praise, but it wasn't easy. So let's look at a bit of background to Mary's prayer of praise. The first thing to say is that she's a betrothed virgin. So when we look at the Scriptures, verses 26 to 38, before the reading that I brought earlier... This betrothal, we need to understand, verse 27, she was pledged to be married to Joseph. That's almost like, it's almost like something way beyond our engagement in the UK. It's, you need a divorce from that kind of betrothal. It lasts a year. You've got to be exclusive. Of course, there's no way you're going to have sex before marriage in that culture, but you are betrothed. You might as well, in one sense, be married, except without the sexual union and the celebration to that person for a minimum of a year. She's a young handmaiden. 15 oldest probably, and yet she finds out that she's highly favoured. Because as we read verse 28, in the six, we'll read from verse 26, in the sixth month God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. She's highly favoured with God's close presence. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian today, so are you. What? Yes. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit, as Steve encouraged all the children to get towards, 
lives in you. Jesus lives in you by His Spirit. The Father and Son have made their home in you. You are highly favored because the Creator of the universe is close to you. Amen? Feel free to let out a bit of praise whenever you want. And if some of you are going, help him, Jesus, help him, Jesus, I'll try harder, okay? So a betrothed virgin, but a highly favored with God's truth. And yet she's fearful and troubled. I think I might be a little bit troubled if an angel turned up in the room. From God's holy presence, an angel appears. And she is fearful and troubled because we're told she was greatly troubled in verse 29 it says mary was greatly troubled his words wondered what kind of greeting that this might be and then there's this prophetic promise that comes from gabriel about what we call theologically the incarnation that because mary is open to this and god has favored her she is going to be the one who brings god the son into the world the incarnation god becoming flesh wow A prophetic promise. Listen to verses 31 to 35. You'll be with child and you'll give birth to a son and you're here to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. It's not surprising that Mary says, How will this be since I am a virgin? Amazing. Amazing. The angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called, listen to this, the Son of God. Wow. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren. By the way, sometimes don't listen to the word of man. What man speaks over you? What a parent, an angry parent. What a a, a jilted, supposed lover of your soul said to you. What a teacher at school said to you. What a boss said to you. Don't listen to the word of man over you sometimes because it's like something that cripples you. Listen to what God says over you. Mary was just described, oh, that barren woman. It was a disgrace. People felt it was a judgment of God. But the angel tells Mary, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. So a miracle's happening there, and a miracle's going to happen for you. Let, let me just try and grapple with you the, the mystery of the incarnation. This is a bit deja vu for me, because in January, when you called me to preach here with a view, and very kindly gave me a text which was, uh, you know, one of the, um, one of the, the genealogies. Thanks for that nice simple text that you gave me. Um, I was trying to get, uh, grapple with this, and David Coffey uh, had a conversation with me about a theological point I made, and I've had a conversation with Alan McCulloch. Now, we're talking theological you know, giants in those men, aren't we? David Coffey and Alan McCulloch. Um, but who am I to disagree? Respectfully with them both, I had the conversation because I'd made the point. When the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary... When the incarnation happens, it's the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit who places Jesus, the first cell of Jesus, in the womb. And those men both assumed, because they've been told this at theological college, well, it was Mary's egg, but it was... uh, And I'm saying, well, I can't prove it one way or the other, and I respect your opinion. I just respectfully differ on it. Because this is God. There's no... He's fully human, but this is a profound mystery. There's no bit of man or woman in there. It's God. 
becoming flesh, placed in the womb, nurtured. I mean, just look at the person either side of you. Have a quick look at them. They started life as one cell called a zygote. Haven't they done well? (laughs) Boy, how they've grown and advanced. Jesus started life as one cell in Mary's womb, but he came there by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Mary, here's this prophetic promise, and she asks the question, how can this be? And then she finds out that the impossible is possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Some of us need to hear that today. Nothing is impossible with God. Listen to what the angel Gabriel says in verse 37. I love this verse. For nothing is impossible with God. Will you turn to that person that was a zygote that has grown up a lot and tell them nothing is impossible with God. Go on, let's, let's overcome our Britishness. If we are British. Nothing is impossible with God. And afterwards, after this service, someone will pray with you if you would like some prayer. This is all by way of background. So this humble handmaiden says in verse 38, May it be to me as you have said. Now some of us need to own that one as well. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. I had to come to a place um, back at the beginning of this year where I had to say, Lord, regarding Muttley Baptist Church, may it be to me as you have said. And I just want to tell you, I'm so pleased I did. The will of God isn't always easy, but Lord, this is a great place to be. Thank you for sending me here. You've just got to put up with me now for a long time. Um, So the angel Gabriel's visitation to Nazareth in Galilee has this humble handmaid and responding in this wonderful way, may it be to me as you've said, God, through your messenger. And consequently, she then needs to go to be comforted by her cousin because, you know, sometimes when you step into the will of God, it isn't easy, is it? It's not easy. So she finds human comfort. And by the way, she has to get away from her hometown because she's going to start to show that she's pregnant and she could have been stoned to death. So she goes to spend some time with her Mary, her cousin, who's the wife of Zechariah, who's pregnant herself with John the Baptist. And she goes there, and no doubt there'd have been a buzz about Elizabeth because she's so old, and now she's carrying a baby. But the amazing thing is what happens when Mary goes there. And we're looking at verses 39 to 46. And the first thing is, ineffably sublime is a great phrase. What about this one? Embryonic excitement. What about that? Embryonic excitement. I've got an embryonic excitement about this church. Because this church is a great church with a great history. But I dare to believe, nothing to do with me, but because of the same great God that we serve who is faithful, I believe God's going to do something pretty exciting in the years ahead. Anyone believe that? I've got an embryonic excitement, but unlike some of the women here, even though it might look like it, I've never carried a child within me. Okay, the last time I was uh, on mission was India, and I went with uh, BMS in partnership with Big Life, and these mission organizations really look after your health. You have to get health cleared before you go, and all that kind of thing. So I had to do this. So we all submitted a pretty standard form, and it didn't look like a standard letter, but it must have been a standard letter, but it looked very personal. because Dear Clive, we are delighted to tell you you are cleared to go on your mission trip to India. We, uh, this is wonderful. We have noted your allergy to penicillin and everything is green for you to go. Okay, and I'm thinking, oh, that's nice. Big organization employed by BMS to check out the health of the team and they give me a really personal response Till I read the next paragraph. 
should your medical circumstances change or should you fall pregnant before you go, <laughs> please let us know. I emailed them. You're already beginning to understand my humor. And I emailed them and said, thank you so much for the green light. I'm delighted to hear that. But I must tell you that should I fall pregnant before the trip, I will not be letting you know first. I'll be letting the national media and the national press know. And I promise to tie the income from my story. Verse 41, the baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist is an embryo and he leaps in his mother's womb. And in verse 44 we read, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. So John the Baptist just leaps for joy in his mother's womb. That's wonderful, but I'll tell you something else, it's tragic. Because the most dangerous place for a baby to be in the UK statistically, is in its mother's womb because of the index of abortions. It should be the most safest place in the world. It's the most dangerous because of the number of terminations. And God weeps. And if you've been through that agony, then you're probably weeping right now and we're here to love you through it. If you made a wrong decision some time ago, let us pray and minister God's love and grace to you. But now for the women who are carried, I pray that in the middle of the sermon, your baby will leap in your womb. Let us know if it happens, but we pray for a safe arrival for your child. Because some of the stuff I've been talking about will have been difficult for you. We pray God's blessing upon you. John the Baptist leapt embryonic excitement and then mary prophesies she's been filled with the holy spirit there's this ecstatic exaltation she says verse 42 blessed are you and blessed is the child that you carry she begins to prophesy she brings an encouraging exclamation in verse 43 why am i so favored listen to this that the mother of my lord should visit me She's full of the Holy Spirit. She prophesies with this ecstatic exaltation and she flows on into an encouraging exclamation. Wow, am I blessed that the mother of my Lord should visit me. This word Lord is kurios and 70 Jewish scholars who'd interpreted the whole of the Old Testament scriptures into Greek so that the world had a chance to know about the God that they worshipped, but regarded God's name as so holy that, that, that they had to find a different word for it. They used the word kurios, wherever it was Yahweh or the Lord, they used the word kurios. I'm just looking at my Greek New Testament expert to see if I'm okay on this one. She's nodding, it's all right. So kurios... To take that word, kurios, this means Lord. This is an acknowledgement that the mother of Jesus, my Lord, my God. Wow. She's prophesying in the Spirit. And in verse 44, in verse 45, she says, Blessed is she, she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Are you, are you believing something from God that you haven't got yet? You're blessed if you are. You're blessed. You believe in God for something. If God tells you something's his will, and it's according to his will, it's a matter of time. Let me tell you about prayer. God sometimes says no. You know that? Any mums and dads out there? Have you ever found that you had to say to your child, no? And sometimes, not yet. Not now. 
God says that to prayer sometimes. And sometimes God says, yes, but not in the way you think, not in the way you plan, but in my way, because my way is perfect. But sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not yet, and sometimes he says not in that way. And sometimes, hallelujah, God says yes. So Mary's comforted by her cousin, by the embryonic excitement of the baby she's carrying, by her ecstatic exaltation, by her encouraging exclamation. But when we actually get down to this Magnificat, finally, this beautiful prayer of praise, this magnificent prayer, Mary's humble prayer, magnifies the Lord. That Latin word magnificat comes from that. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. In verse 48, she talks about God blessing and honoring the humble. And she's described as humble. This is Mary's humble prayer, which magnifies the Lord through, its, through the prayer of praise that she offers. And we need to be people of praise, people of humility, but people who are not frightened to praise God. So it's going to get noisy at the end of this service. And is Roger Aldersley still here? Roger? No, he's gone. He's heard the team. Well, I need someone to take Roger's place to make sure we praise God. Because when Elizabeth prophesied when the Holy Spirit filled her, she prayed in this way, with a loud voice. And you know, sometimes we Brits, and I know we're not all Brits here, and we're enriched by you being here if you're not British, okay? We've even got French people with us, our French cousins, and we bless them. But you know, our British temperament is a bit like this. Uh, I really want to praise you, Lord, because... You really are a very good God, and actually, you're, you're frightfully powerful. And, well, you do do some quite wonderful things, to be honest. Um, so I'd like to praise you, Lord. And that's a bit different, different from, the, um, from the African pastor, woman pastor I was with at the senior pastor conference for pastors of larger churches last week, when on her knees in the midst of the worship, she was saying, Oh, Lord, you're so wonderful. We love you. And... You know, the guy next to me said, we, we don't pray like that in Chichester. That's what he said. And I said, I know what you mean. Uh, um, we don't really pray like that in Mutley at Plymouth either. But can I give it a good go in the coming days? So you've been warned. The fact is that Mary's humble prayer, whether in a loud voice like Elizabeth or in that handmaiden's gentleness, she praises God for his salvation. Verse 46. And notice this, particularly if you're from Catholic background. She praises God because he's God my saviour. I don't hold the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. Mary should be honoured. She should be respected. She should not be trivialized. She's the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. But she knew she needed a savior. She did not lead a sinless life. No human being has ever led a sinless life except one. And that one was fully human, was Jesus, who was also fully God. Tempted in every way and yet without sin. Mary praises God for his salvation, even for herself, that she would give birth to God, her Savior, my Savior. She glorifies him. She rejoices. That's part of praise. She praises him for his mindfulness. Let's look at verse 48 in this magnificent prayer. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God's mindful of you. God is mindful of you. God is mindful of you. 
God is mindful of you. God knows how many hairs there are upon your head. In my case, he does a recount every five minutes. There's not a sparrow falls from the sky without the Lord seeing and being mindful of it. And you are worth more than many sparrows, my friend. God is mindful of you. Do you know that? He cares about you. She praises him for his salvation, his mindfulness, and his holiness. Holy is his name. He's in unapproachable light. Gloriously holy, without fault, without sin. And he's a mighty God who does mighty deeds, but he's a mighty God who does mighty deeds, and yet is incredibly merciful and tender. Look at verses 50 to 51. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. As Graham Kendrick puts it, the one who flung stars into space, to cruel nails surrendered. He took the form of a servant, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The hands that flung stars into space opened up wide and out of love for you and mindfulness of you, he was crucified. But in his might, he was resurrected. And then she thanks God and praises God for his provision. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. I'm so glad I'm part of a church that feeds the hungry. I'm so glad that the first time I I turned up for the renewal ministry, the recovery ministry, I I was there because I just thought I'd turn up on time. But that team, like all our teams, graphs hard. So I turned up and I was taking my jacket off and it said, you're in here and I just got there serving the food straight away. And I want to tell you, as I served the food, it was a privilege to serve those people, some of whom will not go home that night to a warm house like I would. I thank God that we've got street pastors who don't judge people when they're stoned out of their head. They just love them. And if they're willing to ask why, they'll tell them there's a God who loves them. His provision, he filled the hungry with good things. Do you know that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said that those who hunger and thirst will be blessed. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed because they will be filled. Because that's what Mary is praising God for and that's the kind of God she's praising. And then she praises God for his faithfulness. Important point for many of us here. Verses 54 to 55. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Even as he said to our fathers, the God, your God, wants to bless your generation, your children and your grandchildren. Now help me out because I'm going to have two hands in the air. How many of you got a child who's wandered? Or a parent who's wandered, or a grandchild who's wandered. God loves them, and He's heard every prayer you've ever prayed for them. God loves them, and He's heard every prayer you've ever prayed for them. And even if in this lifetime you don't see them turn, God is faithful in hearing your prayers. He's faithful to the generations. I'm, I'm done. I've got one more thing to say. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's praise. I want to invite you to pray seven on Tuesday, every Tuesday morning at seven o'clock 
in the lounge. I want to invite you to next monthly prayer seven. I want to invite you to pray for Nepal all Advent. I want to invite you to their feedback meeting on the 14th. I want to invite you to get in a small group, a home group, and pray in those small groups. I want to invite you, if you're a member, to the members' meetings where we need to pray about elders' elections and budget. But I want to invite everyone to pray over the invitations we give out to Christmas. Lay your hand on them and say, Lord, do what you did with Paul's aprons and handkerchiefs when you healed the sick, worked miracles. Take this little paper invitation, and when I give it to my friend, my colleague at work, that student... Change their life for eternity, Lord, will you please? Let's stand together. Can the band come back? Just in case we have one tiny little voice. But I'm hoping for a bit more. Now, this isn't really Muttley culture. But it's culture from the Bible. In Acts, I think it's chapter 4, they raise their voices as one. The earth shakes. The building shakes. Now, I know we've got a listed protected building, but let's risk it, shall we? This is what I'm going to ask us to do. You find one thing in your heart to praise God for. Just one thing. One thing that you can praise God for. And if you can't think of anything, let me give you something. The indescribable gift of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that He loves you, the fact that He's mindful of you. For the baby you're carrying in your womb, have any kicked with joy and excitement yet? No. Yes, hallelujah. That's an encouragement. What I want is for us to raise our voices as one, just for a brief time, then we'll sing our, sing our final song. Is that okay? For some of you, this will be very uncomfortable. The person next to you won't be listening to what you're praying. They're even more nervous than you are. Okay, and if it's not theologically quite correct, don't worry, God will sort that out and I won't hear So let's start praising God because there's power in praise. Let's go for it now and God will hear us all. Father, we praise you for your indescribable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor for who you are and for all you've done. Father, we thank you for Mary and her wonderful, humble example of faithful obedience and trust in you. And Jesus, we pray that you'd make us men and women of praise who know the power in praise. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen.